my friend. You found your way back to us once again at the Rock Paper Bitcoin Podcast. It's me, Business Cat. I missed you. In this episode, Fundamentals and I, we talk about uh, our fellow brother podcast, High Hash Rate, and our recent appearances on it. We have a conversation about math. We talk about scarcity. And we end by talking about how choosing where to spend your attention is important. If you like our content and would like to support the show, you can listen using any podcasting 2.0 app and stream us stats while you listen. You can also uh, send us a boostergram with a comment. We'll be sure to read it. We love getting those. If you're a Bitcoin miner and you're feeling generous, you can contribute a bit of your hash power to us using any Lincoin stratum address with our show's username, Rock Paper Bitcoin. I will put the connection details in the show notes. I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to the Lonely Pumpkins and to the Big Turd. Mr. Lonely Pumpkins, you sir are a badass. And the Big Turd, holy crap, man. I can't believe how much hash power you just decided to point our direction. Thank you, man. And lastly, my dear, dear listener, thank you. Thank you for listening. Without, without you here, this means nothing. We're shouting into the void. But occasionally it's nice to know that there are blips on the radar. There's, there's points of light in the darkness, and that's you. But hey, enough of this. Let's get into it. What's going on? Good morning. Good morning. You were on the High Hash Rate podcast, I hear. I was, I was. Let's get right into it, man. Let's do it. That's pretty awesome. Um, Mike and Dan are really badass dudes. And yeah, they were the first podcast that I've ever gone on. That's pretty cool to hear that they, they had you on too. Yeah, I was pretty psyched. So they, they I want to say like six weeks ago, started getting in touch with me. And, um, you know, I knew a little bit about, I, I think I, I listened to one episode several, several months ago because, um, you know, Eric was on it. Eric from Philly. Mm-hmm. You know, who, dude, I would listen to any podcast that dude goes on. Um, he's a, like, just a great dude and runs the Philly, not the Bitcoin John, but he ran the original Philly Bitcoin meetup and is just, just a G. Okay. And so I was familiar a little bit with those guys and there's, I mean, their thing, which is like they get stoned and talk about Bitcoin and like I don't know. There's definitely that sounds kind of awesome. Some you sort know? of crossover between yeah the uh, tweak your consciousness world and Bitcoin than the Bitcoin world. I mean, but this is like I am actually closer to this world than maybe people realize because I grew up in fish. I'm not a big I'm not a big stoner, but like my almost all of my social activities I hang out with stoners and you know people who are uh looking to achieve consciousness i was definitely i guess I, I was there at one point in my life um but it's been a long time but ever even even since then almost all of my social activities involve stoners so it's something it very definitely familiar, native to me it seems like um, weed is making a, a kind of resurgence in society right now i mean i'll be honest I mean, actually, I really want to give high hash rate their props, but I'll just say one thing about weed. And, um, you know, I th- there's probably a whole thing we can talk about, about the whole, um, you know, the legalization, you know, the culture that existed in like the 80s and 90s and how a lot of those people did it. Now that weed's been legalized, like a lot of those people are just like cucks mm, now. Mm-hmm. 
and it's disappointing. Oh, um, yeah, it's shocking to see like what the psychedelic movement of the 60s where those people went and the decisions they where they decided to go in their lives from from the direction of the things that they were advertising and about what they wanted to do in the 60s, they yeah. just rolled over to the, to the machine and sucked up to it, and the machine's given a pat on the head, and, hey, welcome, why, why don't, you, why don't but, you become part yeah. of me? That's right, but it was a really cool thing in the 90s that I kind of wanted to be part of, um, I believe very, really, really strongly. It was like just so absurd to me that someone could you know, go to fucking jail for weed. And you know, back in the 90s, weed was kind of not that potent like it is now and i think that's the weed that should have been legalized um you know we would have been better i think as a a society again if we just never touched it if we just let people do what the fuck they wanted i'm guessing the weed in the 60s was even less potent than it was what we were what i was getting in the 90s right but like from the 90s to today has been exponent, you know, absolutely oh, right. exponential state heirloom, heirloom tomatoes today are better than the heirloom tomatoes in the 90s. It's like that's well, I'm not saying it's better. 30 though, years of genetic select, selection. The re- I mean, I'm kind of disappointed. I wish I could get the weed. I, I wish I could get that weed from the 90s. I would, I would consume weed more. Whereas anything today, like either a bite or <laughs> one drag, puts me in a prison. It's like a three, you know, will put me in like a three-hour prison, and so I, that it's, I just can't do it. I can't. That's be... a feature of marijuana, in my opinion. <laughs> That's I, like I that get being that. said. Like I started my weed smoking career, like by ordering it from the darknet. I mean, there's a lot of shitty stuff. Like in, removing yourself from kind of like the centralized Amazon, where there's real reliable uh, re, uh, a core recourse. If you if something if the seller does something bad the buyer can have recourse in it. Jumping off into like a, an unregulated anarchistic market, I mean, the the review, your user reviews are really all that the buyers have to go on. And even then, it's like, I mean, it's you're depending on a buyer who just, in their mind, like, oh no, I'm worried about like what I, I, I may have just broken the law. I better leave this guy a good review because he, he has all my information. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult world to jump into, but I mean, there's plenty of shitty like all that to say. There's plenty of shitty weed out there. Like it's not like shitty weed went away. There's no, I know, but it's hard to find weed. if you're. It's hard to I find. Mean, I've got my PA medical me- medical card at this point, and like you can buy weed that's not super powerful. They so they sell pretty unpowerful weed at dispensaries. I mean, it's just yeah. I, I but, go for the strongest stuff I can get because I have a hell of a tolerance at this point. But I'm very sensitive. Like I've gotten literally wrecked from like from cbd like gummies like i yeah. i know what being stoned is and sometimes so like you know from cbd that's not supposed to have but does have trace obviously amounts because if it's full spectrum i have gotten legit stoned you know kind of in a good way that's like actually the best i can hope for is that experience but it's definitely like you know you're in a binary state change well we'll get back if to the, kind of, yeah. the high yeah. hash rate but the like the paranoia that comes from some people get from smoking weed, um, I, like I got that for a while. But at some point, I changed my perspective on that paranoia. And at this point, the paranoia and this the introspection that comes from getting super high is a feature of weed, not a not a thing to shy away from. Like that's a, there's a you get super high. Like mean, Carl Sagan talked about this. Carl Sagan, um, for people that don't know, Carl Sagan was a, a guy involved in NASA. He he was a very forward-thinking kind of person about space, and but he, he also he's he, he has his dark side too. But anyway, he he was Pale a blue dot. Is he the original? He's the one who, who 
that's corrected. Correct. Coin, yeah, pale blue dot. Yeah. The pale blue dot. Yeah. And uh, the he was he did the original Cosmos series. Um, yeah. He, he's he a legend. Wrote, he's a legend. Yeah. He wrote the movie um, Contact with Jodie Foster. Uh, anyway, yeah. he so he was a advocate of marijuana, but the way he used it was he said, okay, you don't use weed for a year and then smoke as much of it as you can and get as high as humanly possible. And like that's where like the, the sparks come from in creativity. And so for him, like that, that was his that was his method of using it. He like he would go into these weed sessions where he would get as blazed as humanly possible and then just observe where his mind went. And then when he came back like he he would take notes and when he came back he would research these areas that where his mind went. And yeah. like I can I, I can speak like I'm an advocate for that approach. Like weed made me start focusing on things that made me super paranoid. But when I focus like why why am I paranoid about this thing? Oh, like generally speaking, like the things that I was paranoid about in my life were things that needed to be addressed. Like I am paranoid about, oh, I'm smoking weed and not doing anything with my life. And I'm like a broke college student. Oh, well, I better make a plan to figure some shit out in my life about where I'm going and what I'm doing. And like, so it's like, as you get high, like all of you, oh, I'm scared of the police. Well, why am I scared of the police? Okay. I need to break that down and, and get down to the base level of why is it that when I get high, I hear a siren and it, it makes me scared? It's like, oh, that, that's based on nothing. That is something that is like up in my brain that is a personal problem. That's not a problem with the world. That's a problem with my head. Well, and I I'm can doing something that. illegal right now and I am at risk. But I mean, that is well, right. But I mean, that, that, that gets you into the mind that, that opened the door for Bitcoin for me, really. Like I was a stoner yeah. before I was a Bitcoiner. And like the freedom of realizing that, oh, I'm a sovereign individual. I can make my own decisions and I don't have to like go kiss the ring of somebody else and listen to what they say is important because like I'm capable of building my own model. It's like we'd open the door for that. Like I was like I realized oh there is signal here and the world is lying to me about this. Yes, people can destroy their lives on weed. People can destroy their lives with hamburgers and hammers. Like it, weed is not the thing that destroys people life people's lives it's the weakness of themselves to let themselves be consumed by this thing like you can let your life be consumed by masturbation you can let like all of these different vices of that humans are capable of just devolving into like weeds like you can destroy your life on weed if you let it but weeds also like for me personally like it transformed my life and put me in a position where i could see bitcoin like i was already in the position mentally where like, i'm okay i'm capable of making my own decisions enter bitcoin on all of these voices from the internet are telling me a, B, and C about what Bitcoin is and what it isn't. But because I was in the mental place of making my own decisions, I was able to, like, no, I'm right. The world is wrong. Bitcoin has signal, and I'm going to pile onto that. Yeah, dude, it's a tool. A fucking killer, potentially killer tool, great tool. I'll just add that when I was um, doing stand-up, I attempted to write this joke, but I was very high when I tried to write it, so it didn't come out great. But here are some of the insights from this particular joke I tried to write. And it was about how weed, I said, was like, um, it was like God left little cell phones on the surface of the earth for us to figure out how to, like, get some, you know, instructional instructional help. But if you don't call for, like, a while, he's like your mom. He's like, you know, he'll fucking crush you. Like, it's dude, true. where the fuck have you been? How have you, when, why have you not called? Oh my God, and so, that's a great right? way to approach it. That's great. I love that. And 
dude, if you call too much, he's like, he just stops listening. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't call too much. Otherwise, he just, you know, drowns you out. And then well, it goes from being, yeah. it, it goes from being productive to patronizing, I feel like. The, the muse, the god, the spirit, whatever it is that we're tuning into to talk with. He's like, yeah, if you tune in too many times, it, he's going to, okay, okay, yeah, I see you again. Yeah, good, good job, little student. Yeah, I'll give you a pat on the head. Stop raising your hand when I'm asking questions. Like, I'm, I'm, trying, to get, I'm trying to get the other kids in the class to answer the questions now. It's like, you, like we, we realize that you've, you, know, you know this. <laughs> exactly, 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 yeah. So, but I, I think my problem is I'm always going to just not call until, <laughs> until you know, it'll be years. Like, I'll always go, like, years in between. And so I don't think, I don't think it matters how weak it is. It's always gonna. I'm always gonna get thrashed for. Oh, you want you want something now? Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, you want some wisdom now? Well, where the fuck have you been for the last seven years? Yeah, right. As you got it. It's like with bitcoins. Like you got to do the work. It's like whenever you get super stoned and you realize, oh, I haven't <laughs> been doing the work. And so it's one of those revelatory moments. Yeah, I mean, and I could be just getting reached. You know, I've reached an age. I mean, look, dude, I've been to like close to 100 fish shows. Been to a lot of concerts. Um. The overwhelmingly overwhelming majority of them have been stone cold sober, and that is um, unusual. But my decision process is typically I just like I prefer life in this consciousness. I just and like you don't you only get one go to experience things. Sure, it's not right. And so when I say the overwhelming majority, yeah, I've probably been to. Tw- 15 to 20 of my fish shows have been, you know, high, we'll say. And those have been great experiences. But I typically, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I like before the fact, when I'm making the decision, I think I'm going to regret it if I'm not in the, in my current state of consciousness. And that's just the way my brain, it's the way I operate. I'm a huge personal fan of weed. But yeah, I, I can't deny that it's a double-edged sword. When I was in college and just dipping my weed in, or dipping my, my, my weed, dipping my toes into weed for the first time, um, I realized pretty quickly. I mean, so I'm in college, I'm in an educational environment. Um, but, I mean, so using weed impacted my educational experience. And taking calculus, I realized pretty quickly that not only does weed, like, if I'm high, my brain just cannot comprehend calculus. Um, but beyond that, like, if I smoked weed the That's day before. That's not unusual. The day, the day before, yeah, so, so some kind of, like, ab, the abstract reasoning that math requires um, is inhibited by, by marijuana, by, by getting high. Um, and so, like, I, I realized, like, not only can I not smoke weed, like, the morning before a calculus class, I can't smoke weed the day before I have calculus, or else I can't, I, I'm still not comprehending it, like, rapidly. Yeah, I can pass the test, but um, taking the information and actually internalizing it was not happening. I was, I went from learning um and like incorporating knowledge to just passing tests and le- figuring out what i needed to be on the test so like, yeah i i have to acknowledge that that's a real thing so like it's 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 out there it's like but it's like you've got to be aware of the the limitations of the things that you're using totally so let's talk about high hash rate real quick now um not real quick but i want to give those guys their due so like yeah they, they reached out like six weeks ago or so started just sharing um you know, they said they were into into the jam bands and fish, and um, that my view of the world. That's all you needed. You're like, let's talk. My view of the world is, yeah, because we never really get to talk. I never get to talk about that stuff here. I'll be honest. I have thought a lot about just starting a podcast 
in and of itself just to just to address this fish thing <laughs> um you know it's a it but it's not something that is a it's just doesn't it's not a rock paper bitcoin subject yet well as your co-host here if you want to go start a podcast and talk like i will not be offended go right ahead man i've had a similar thought like there's like it's not that i it's, it's the same kind of thing like it's not that there's things i don't want to talk about here but like i had the i had the thought like oh i could record something like like a uh, a speech like some kind of rousing speech like that you would give to the troops about before the Bitcoin is going to battle. It's like I could record <laughs> yeah. some, I could do something like that and record that as an intro, but that doesn't really work. So I don't know. It, it's anyway, it's also occurred to me that I could start another podcast for alternative content. Yeah. So getting to talk about, you know, getting to get that stuff out on mic was nice, I'll say. And then we, um, oh, so anyway, well, first of all, the, um, I'll say this was a, it was a bit of a, um, it was a journey. It was like the, it was a journey filled with trials and tribulations, but well worth it. Um, had a great, great time. But like, they record very late. Uh, they're on they're on West Coast time. Yeah, they've got their schedule. And I am an early bird. I don't know if most people here know. You must know because I leave the meetups early. I'm like usually the first to leave, especially if I got a long drive. Uh, I'm usually in bed by 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'm you up and me are at, on a similar schedule, man. I'm up at 5 a.m. killing it. That's my time. That's my time to shine. Um, you know, 9 p.m. Pacific Time is when we rolled, which is midnight. Which is I'm usually getting close to getting ready for REM sleep after you know a good amount of deep sleep. Mm. And um, I'm honestly, my main concern was that I would be I would sound like a moron at that <laughs> hour. Right, like I would not be loose. I'd be almost half fast asleep. And so, look, sometimes you and I, sometimes we're rolling, and I do get, especially when we first started, and I didn't like have the stamina. I would get really tired, and I'd notice I wasn't really listening to you that much. I was just really trying to get through it. And I thought that maybe I that would, you know, I thought maybe I'd end up like that, mm. um, you know, where I just couldn't be like my fully best self. But it was so. Um, we end up. I end up staying up um it's like you know these are like hours of the night i'm just not used to being up at all and getting tired and my daughter my youngest daughter decided to stay up with me and keep me company um and it was really cool and we get to about eleven fifty-eight, and i start texting these guys and i'm like um you guys gonna send a link or something and they're like oh no we're not meeting till tomorrow i had the wrong day because midnight oh is God. the date change midnight oh is the date God. change right so like we said August 9th and that is when midnight turned it August 9th but like for them it was the next day. So I was like, "Uh, oh, okay, we'll do it the next day." And um so we do it all over again. Um kind of slept walk through my work day. Did your daughter stay up with you again? She stayed up with me again. Killer. And um we got to to midnight and I couldn't actually log in to their Zoom link and my computer needed a zoom update and it wasn't allowing me to <laughs> install it and it's always it's like, something man it's twelve fifteen now and it's starting to look like this is never going to happen finally we we worked it out and um i really had i have to say we got on and i had a great great time with those guys i think we rolled for about an hour and a half they're really good interviewers yeah um i like them i would like like i don't feel like i got to know them at all but since since we rolled on Wednesday, like I've been, we've been DMing nonstop about 
ideas that came up and that sort of other ideas that we have. And that's like, I can't honestly ask for anything better in a relationship than somebody who I can just bounce ideas off of in Bitcoin. Cause it's so, you know, there really aren't any books about a lot, about most of this stuff, you know? No, yeah. We're blazing the trails right now. And so if you find people that you can just be like, Hey dude, I got, you know, I mean, like I do this with you all the time and telegram, right. And I do this with the central PA group and I just do this, you know, you've got group that you could just throw shit off the wall and you smart people who actually respond. And that's what it's all about. So, um, great time, great dudes. I, I will say it was really worth the journey and I would, I would endure it again. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, me too. I've been on their show what, twice yeah. now, and yeah, similar thing. Like the get, the mental game of getting to midnight to record is like, oh my god, is it is it a mountain to climb? And then it's a great time when, when you're on the show. And it didn't cost me in my life as much as I thought it would. I mean, the next day was really hard. I mean, for I'm in my late 40s, and so it's like basically it's equivalent to like a horrendous hangover, and you just get through it. It's not. It actually wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't that bad. Um, so cool shout out to high hash rate guys look out for that when it comes out i'm guessing it's going to come out this week this next particular week coming up um give those guys a look listen to the episode where business cat one of the episodes where business cat was on he's he was on there twice listen to them they were amazing episodes the second episode's better than the first one but yeah they've got interesting content their their angle of pursuing conversations is it's I mean, it, it's unique in the Bitcoin space. I mean, there, there is quite a bit of drugs yep. crossover into Bitcoin, but I mean, I don't see anybody else doing what they're doing and capitalizing on that, that intersection of the Venn diagram. But they're amazing at like, they just kind of throw, like they're almost apt. It's not that they're absent, but they almost just like, they throw little seeds out there and they let whoever they have on there, they really just let them go. Right. They just let them kind of go off. They got, they direct with a couple of really pointed, pointed, good questions. And they have like, they're, you know, I just found like they're definitely there, you know, they're there listening pretty intently. Yes. I got some really good questions. I wonder, yeah, the, them being there um, and paying attention to what you're saying so much actually starts to uh, scratch the conspiracy theory side of my brain. And I'm like, oh, are you guys feds? It's like, oh, oh, you live, <laughs> oh, you live in Nebraska, eh? Mm, okay. So, so that's like the NSA country. It's like there's, there's the, yeah. I mean, I think he, I think Mike talked Damn. about flying rivet joint aircrafts back during his air force career. Like Mike and I have, uh, or excuse me, not Mike, Dan, Dan and I have very similar backgrounds of, we were both Air Force intelligence. We did, we, we did different things, but we both entered the Bitcoin space very similarly. And it sounds like we've lived similar-ish lives. So yeah, we, we kind of vibe along that thing. But yeah, the, just mm. how good they are at their job, is, it, it makes, me, makes me skeptical, which we, yeah. should all be, we should all be skeptical about. Like, I'm skeptical, like, you, you might be a Fed. Like, you never know. <laughs> Well, we talked about how my dad had clearance, you know. This is true, and like, if, <laughs> yeah. if I'm pointing fingers, like I used to be a Fed, and I mean, what, we've got we've got people that are current Feds in the group. They're just Feds that are trying to improve their lives through Bitcoin. They're not working a case. Everybody's a Fed. Everybody's a Fed. <laughs> Everybody's got their agenda. The, the, the so, goal yeah. is yeah. Shout out, out to high, shout out to high hash rate. Um, definitely, obviously, can be considered close friends of this show. Hell yeah. Mike and Dan, we love you guys. Bad motherfuckers. Yep. What else we got? I'm look. I'm looking back through our text history here. 
what else we got? Well, we can talk about. Um, <laughs> we get to, it, the first thing I say is going to lead to forty minute discussion. But like, we could talk about either. Um, we could talk AI. We could talk about math. Um, Let's talk about math. I mean, yeah, there's like right. we we've we've got the yeah. So we could talk about uh, the AI and how that's going to interface with Bitcoin. It's like the math. I like math. Like, let, let's go there because uh, I was just talking about how weed made it made it so I couldn't do math. So yes. uh, I'm kind of on a math kick. But then also, you know yeah, This is great. So look, I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up my my Domus. Sorry, my Nostra tweet. I call it Domus. I should say, by the way, I try to post off of Primal.net and I can't. For some reason, I hit the. I'll, I'll write an entire post and I'll keep hitting the post button and nothing happens and it's a little frustrating in these early days. So I use Dom. I got to use Domus to um, do any kind of posting. But Domus I like, is still the way that I generally interface with my Nostra account as well. Yeah, but I can't. I, I, I can't zap on Domus. So yeah. when I'm reading through my feed, I want to use Primal so that I can just zappy zappy zappy. I have not messed around with Primal yet. I'm going to have to. Okay, so I'm going to read. Um, <laughs> this is uh, something I wrote this morning on Noster as I was plowing through a number theory textbook. Okay. I said, time preference and mathematics. Human beings think they suck at math, but it turns out they're too high time preference to see through the tedium of it. Math is not complicated. It's tedious. Math is about generalizing to any system. Doing this, even with simple addition, is very tedious. So we only teach our society how to do it in one base, base 10. And even that is, too de- is pretty much too tedious for people. They scream, what am I ever going to do this for? And their high time preference tells them nothing. This is why the successful math students in the world do tend to come from privilege. It's not because they pay for better teachers. Rich kids with high time preference don't learn math, no matter how good the teacher is. But some kids have a time preference low enough to see value in going deep and will spend their time enduring the ruthless tediousness that mathematics entails. It's not about intelligence. It's about time preference. Bitcoin will bring a renaissance of mathematics once we lower the time preference of children and the adults who choose their education. That's beautiful. The, I think you're hitting the nail on the head with that, man. It's like the time preference thing of, of learning mathematics. It's true. It's One of the things I appreciate about math, and I've always appreciated about math, is there's no subjectivity to it. It's like it's yes or no. It's like two plus two equals four. Um, there's no, it's like, well, why did, how did the math problem feel while it was being solved? There, there, there's no subjectivity or squishiness to it. Like the, uh, the other, the arts, the English language or anything like that. It's just yes or no binary. It's beautiful. I love, I love mathematics for that reason, but you're totally, totally right. It's like, it seems that we have memed in culture that yeah, math is hard and that only like n- nerds know math and that. It's like, oh, well, there's no reason. Like, you're, like, all our teachers told me that I was never going to have a calculator in my pocket, so I had to learn it. Turns out I have a smartphone. Ha ha, stupid teachers. I didn't need to know this math after all. It's like the, the fundamental building blocks of, like, the building block of, of understanding mathematics on a fundamental level in your brain allows, it unlocks higher level reasoning. 
and yeah, so, so if not doing the work of understanding base level mathematics, it's easy. It's easy to just do that and be like, haha, whatever, I got a smartphone. But yeah, you are only damaging future se- your future self. Yeah, I mean, it really, the thing that clicked with me, I was going through this number theory textbook and I was going through literally how do you teach the computer how to do addition? And it like, and but you do it in any base and I had generalize it for any base. And it took me literally back to like second grade of, um, you know, carry, how do you, they, you know, you generalize variables for even a carry, <laughs> variable C is zero or one, and you're going to do every digit and then just look at your base and see if your sum exceeds your digit, then you carry. It's just, you start thinking through it, it's very, very, very tedious. If you start adding base 10 numbers, it's not that tedious. But if you really try to generalize for any base number, it just becomes extreme. You know, you have this very tedious thing. And that's just sort of what I was thinking was like, you know, we had a conversation about gravity wells, right? It's like, we're never leaving the gravity well of Earth um, under the way we currently think. And this kind of goes back, I don't think it was last week, it was the week before when I was talking about the cryptography textbook and how if you read a Bitcoin textbook like Jimmy Song's Programming Bitcoin, you'll learn the cryptography of Bitcoin, which is an elliptic, one elliptic curve uh, y squared equals x cubed plus, uh, I think, 7x or something. x cubed plus 7. So, like, who cares really what the equation is? It's only one. But you in cryptography, you learn the general form of this. And, um, you know, it's like if you ever want to leave uh, Bitcoin or if you ever want to, if, if it's compromised and you want to do something else, you really kind of want to have a good idea. You know, you want enough people to be able to say, yeah, yeah, um, yes, I, I, I understand other ways to do this other than the one way I was taught, the, you know, which is like kind of the analogy, the base, ten, I was taught base 10 numbers and it's actually, there are infinitely, there's an infinite number of bases and it'd be nice to understand addition, subtraction, multiplication. What, uh, what was the highest you know, level math course you ever took in your education? Um, not... Also, so not very high in, in my in my formal education, probably calculus three and probability uh, to be an actuary. You only you, you know, you don't need the super abstract stuff. And I think that in some ways it does fit my personality, like proof. If you get into having to prove laws and prove things right, that's really where the tediousness comes in. Right. Like, there are things we can do in our minds, but then if you say prove it and verify it, it's like, okay, now I have to invent a construct where let me pretend, let me live in a world where this is the most something could be and this is the least something could be and let me assert something and then if it contradicts, then I've proved it's true. I mean, these are really tedious, tedious, (laughs) you know, exercise, but, but at the end of it, you have something you never have to think about ever again. You have a level up. You have a point in the video game where you can't even go back if you wanted to, right? Once you actually click that, you click something in, right? And it's real. So what I'm saying is, it, there's no way around that work, except if you see possibility in doing it. And we live in a society, and so I like using time preference because 
if I can identify something as a problem of time preference, right, then I kind of know Bitcoin's going to fix it. Yeah, not today, mm. but I kind of know, right? And so, you know, if it's around, if it's about time preference, that kind of makes sense because a tedious, you can't, time preference doesn't solve tediousness. It basically says it's worth my time. Yeah, so <laughs> I was just going to say, like, so saying that something, learning something has a problem of time preference is implicitly indicating that this this is a thing that is worth knowing that people are not that the, the price tag of, of learning it is too high for people currently under the current paradigm so yeah if you if you reduce the time preference in general across the species there's gonna be all the like a bunch of things like like math uh, that immediately pop up like oh this is worth knowing this is worth doing like taking the time to to grok but i just haven't done it until now and like that's I mean, it's true of a lot of things. Look, our po- yeah. this podcast is tedious, <laughs> and if you have a high time preference, you're not going to get through an entire episode. I mean, we talked about um, a really, I think, a really important thing last week with BlackRock and what they're up to, and you know, a lot of Bitcoiners are like, "Hey, dude, just TLDR this thing for me," and it's like, "Okay, could do that," but like, you know, yeah, there, there's is- a difference between just saying, "Oh, BlackRock is going to use Bitcoin to replace the bond market." And yeah. actually grokking the underly- underlying what they're doing. There, there's a big difference between those two things. Yeah, and I think so when it comes to just – so when it comes to being able to generalize, I think that's what it's going to take to do things like leave our gravity well, to do things like, you know, maybe that's what impresses the aliens, and what you know, gives them the idea that, okay, yeah, we actually might survive. We actually might not destroy each other, you know. And we use base 10 here because we have 10 fingers and 10 toes. Like that's, that's the mathematic base that Literally makes sense in, to us just because just of biological reasons. In our one stupid culture. I mean, like the minds yeah. use base 20 for that reason. There's actually, we, you know, we, you know, now that we live in an information age, there are many people really strong in base two and hexadecimal. Mm. And, you know, I, I know people who can do hex addition in their heads, like right. pretty yeah, ba- strongly. Base 10 makes sense for us squishy humans, but when you're talking about a silicon computer that's like just moving uh, electrons back and forth, like there's no reason, like you could program it into base 10 so that humans can better understand it. But I mean, that computer just wants binary. Like why do all this right. overhead of other, these other calculations on top of the binary, the machine language just being, that's telling the computer what to do. It's but like, like the thing that really blows my mind, I have to say, and like what I love, like why I do it, and I, I get these explosions of fucking understanding. It's like just looking at like bit shifting, like bit shifting is something that probably computer science scientists understands really natively. But for me, it's like, okay, if you just take 10 and multiply it by 10, now you have a hundred. So you went from one zero to one zero zero. That's a bit shift in base 10 and you bit shift in base two, the same way by multiplying by two and you can, it's a really powerful way to implement multiplication and exponentiation on a computer. But you can visualize, base 10 is a really great way to visualize those things, like something like bit shifting. I love that there's, there's no amount of grasping mathematics that you, like you could spend your yeah. entire life trying to like expand your knowledge of mathematics and you will never ever better understand the fiat system because it's not based on mathematics it's like enter bitcoin it's like there's now a reason like oh well if we do this work to to grok math bitcoin's based on math so it's like 
the be- the beauty of like not everybody needs to understand what's going on under the hood with Bitcoin, but you can understand it if you want to. Like you can do the work to grok it. There's no yeah. amount of work that you can do to do that inside the legacy system. Dude, there's, no, just, there's no better proof of that than the fact that the highest level of math I took in my life, right, was like Calc 3. And I have PhDs that like work for me and totally they know I have I'm absolutely unimpressed. And I'm not using them because they took, um, you know, real analysis and know how to prove things. Right. It's just it literally was just an indication of their intelligence and their ability to hit the ground running when they started working and nothing else. Yeah. You know, I went through all these actuarial exams and was no closer to understanding fiat than I was before the fact. And I knew that. Right. And then I, that wasn't enough. So I'm like, you know what? I didn't really study math in college. So let me I went into complex analysis and differential equations like on my own with textbooks went into um, stochastic calculus and thinking okay stochastic calculus with random numbers because that's how right we model things in finance and still never clicked and i realized like this is all just a bunch of mountains on mountains and mountains of of suggestion and conjecture with no proof you had that you had that realization before bitcoin way before bitcoin yeah that's awesome so like Seeing through PhDs and the the titles, it's like man, that's a that's a powerful thing to see through. So, the, like that's one of my favorite things about Bitcoiners that B- Bitcoiners don't give two shits about your title. It's like, oh, oh, you have a doctorate, that's great. What's your stack? How how long you been stacking? It's like it's like all of this dog and pony show fluff that people have been building their lives around of like, oh yes, well if I do X, Y, and Z, then people are gonna know I'm serious business, and then they'll take me seriously. It's like all of that's bullshit and. Bitcoiners are calling people on that, and you to, for you to figure that out before Bitcoin, it's like is evidence of like the fact that you are already on the right path. That's just that's why you saw Bitcoin. It's because you were already looking. Yeah, and I think why one of the first when I got into Bitcoin, I immediately got Human Action, you know, by Mises, mm-hmm. and that's a really hard book to read. But I would I would ask everybody. I'm sure there's free digital copies you can get. Um, I may have to read this on one of the pockets, but chapter two, just the second chapter, dude, is an absolute fucking savage takedown of mathematicians. Hmm. And it's like I've been searching. I like literally was searching my whole life for these words to be able to express this thing myself. And it turned out that this guy in the 40s just wrote this. And it was so, so beautiful <laughs> and so perfect. I mean, it's, this is really how he's starting to get into praxeology and catalactics. And but he, the reason why that book is like a thousand pages long is because he has to just debunk everything. You know, he's really trying to thoroughly debunk everything that the popular opinion. And we found, you know, it's like where we find ourselves today too. It was, it really, it told me that there are people out there, right, that really feel this way, and I'm not alone. <laughs> and it's actually legit. And oh, I have one of the great economists ever that is just put a lot of time into a fucking savage takedown of this idea of math being able to model everything. It's mind-blowing to me that people figured this shit out before Bitcoin. Like, like I knew, like, I was aware there was a problem with the system before Bitcoin, but the furthest upstream I could get with it was, okay, for some reason, the furthest upstream that I could, before Bitcoin, let me, let me start this over. So, yep. like, there's obviously problems with society. There's a lot of issues all around the world, all of these different issues that people are pushing back against each other on. Like, 
okay, go upstream from that. Okay, why are these people fighting each other? Um, it's like, well, over here it's over resources. Over here it's over it's over faith. Over here it's over um, it's over po politics. It's like, okay, can we get more abstract than that? It's like, okay, well, the furthest abstract I can get on the problems in the world is that for whatever reason, our species has built our society on the assumption of exponential growth. Um, and like, I can see why they did that because I'm on this, like as we were moving out and expanding, like there's growth. I mean, we're, we're encountering new continents. So, well, let's go conquer that continent. Oh, well, let's go con like, okay, we ran out of continents to conquer. Uh, well, let's go invade this other nation and like work like nation building and manifesting your destiny as a nation. Um, but there's people out there that saw this and saw the issues. But like Henry Ford talked about the need for an energy currency in the 20s and the 30s. It's like the, the tying currency to energy is such a foreign concept to me that like I, I don't think it would have ever occurred to me until Bitcoin entered the space and taught me that, oh, like generating currency via electricity is like these are one to one. This is the same thing. Energy is money. It's just the government had, so, ab had abstracted that away. So, yeah. So, you know what I'm thinking now? Like, this idea of growth, um, see, I think where scarcity comes from, not like the kind of scarce, not like Bitcoin is scarce. I mean, the kind of scarcity where we all act like assholes, mm -hmm. right? Is because we only can only see the world under one set of constants. Okay, right? So, like, we have certain things that are like laws, like our gravitational constant. But, of course, if we leave gravity well, that changes. Sure, right. The speed of light. These, yeah. We have a ton of these constants. Some of them are physical in nature. But we can only, again, like base 10 is probably close to a constant because that's how we think. Right? We pretty much only think in that. Right? So we have a number of ways we view the world that have constants underlying them. Okay. And we never teach ourselves to think, to generalize any of these things. So we're all, the way we view the world is limited to this set of constants underlying our, underlying our world. And what Bitcoin did was fuck those constants up. <laughs> As Sailor talks about this, right? He's like, yeah, you know, your system of like, you know, your dialectic constant or your dialect you know whatever your, your whatever it is your system is yeah dude bitcoin all this is why he said all your models are broken right yeah it breaks because all the models we don't even know the extent to which the underlying con i mean that's part of what to me rock paper bitcoin is all about in the paper it's like how, what did bitcoin do to my world Right, I have to go back in time and reconcile almost everything and pill yeah. and put it back together because it was all based on a certain really set of underlying assumptions, right? So going back, looking forward is, um, you know, I think teaching people, well, raising people, sorry, lowering people's time preference and having them see the value in doing things that are tedious is going to. Um, you know, have people see, <laughs> I think people see math differently. And then, because even an exponential function is a very simple function, but right? So like, if I'm understanding you correctly, when I view X, when I think of an exponential function, I think of a function e to the X, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really just one function. It's a one-to-one -one function and not, actually not that complicated. Um, it's a beautiful function. 
like the derivative of e to the x is itself. Holy shit, that's amazing, right? Um, the inverse of e to the x is a logarithm. So we think of logarithmic growth, exponential decay in similar forms, but it's still a one it's still a one-dimensional, it's kind of a one-dimensional function that describes a property. It's actually a limit. Um, it's it's like the most growth you can have, mm-hmm. pretty much, right? In a system. Um, but even even an exponential function is still like not it's still one it still can be like one dimensional right whereas we have linear functions of several variables then that have interactions that we don't think we can't think through we can't think like one of the const most of the constants we think of are actually zero so we have like say a function of that should be of 100 variables but like we apply a constant of zero to like 98 of them because we just don't see it right that's you know what I mean? And that's really what, and, and it's very hard to see zero because it's not there. Um, I'll give you an example in my fiat job. Um, we have like funds with asset allocations and I'm trying to explain the performance of these funds against say the S&P. And I had this one fund and I couldn't, I just couldn't square it. I literally went and started memorizing the allocations in this fund, the stock allocations, and it's st- like I just still couldn't square it. And then I realized that there was one stock it didn't have; it actually had a zero allocation to. And because I didn't see it, I never questioned whether its absence was causing this thing I was looking for. Mm, okay. Right. It's like really hard for us. Th- that that's like probably the hardest thing for us to see is the thing that's not there. But we should see it as not there. Yeah. But because so it, broader society is making all these assumptions about what's there in the equations that's driving society. And then enter Bitcoin. Bitcoin is taking like, oh, half of these constants. Yeah, they're gone. You don't need any of these constants anymore. And we still have the majority of the world living their lives day to day by this old equation, which is no longer valid. Yeah. And then things that should have a constant of zero, we don't properly apply that either like yeah like the government bureaucracy we have that dial turned up to 110 (laughs) where that dial should be zero yeah exactly so it all goes back to me it just goes to time preference like i it's not just time preference of students it's probably more important that we have a time preference of society you know we talked about my dad having clearance i mean my dad studied electrical engineering he got a phd in electrical engineering back when the government actually subsidized those like PhDs in electrical engineering. This was in the 60s because we had a president that said we're, we want to go to the moon. And the time preference of our society at the time saw that as a reasonable thing to go after. And it really meant that pe- that some people would have to just lock themselves away and learn engineering. It's really hard to do, <laughs> you know? Do you think that's even possible today? Like, could the government say, hey, we want a bunch of students? Like, what, what they're trying to no. do with the, the chips bill. Like, they're trying to onshore semiconductors to this country. And, that's, like, you yeah. can't just snap your fingers and, like, how are you? It can't happen because, first of all, we that happened in a country that was, manufa- you know, that was manufacturing things, right? Our time preference, you could see it. You could see, you know, 
a society that's manufacturing has a lower time preference than one that just buys the shit from other people, yeah. right? And so it's like, you know, we can no more snap our fingers and, you know, incentivize people to, you know, study math than we can to snap our fingers and all of a sudden start making steel again. I mean, I guess that's the, so like what they're, what the feds are doing with the chip act and trying, trying to onshore semiconductors here. It's like, it's like the real, like the real answer there is what your dad did. It's like, okay, we need to incentivize young minds to train their minds in a way that would be advantageous for the future. And not just, Oh, Hey, go build, we're going to hand out all this money. Somebody go build us a, a factory. It's like, no, no, you need all of the people downstream of that that can coalesce together and make this product you can't just oh well we'll we'll pay enough money and we'll bring them here and they'll just they'll just choose to live here the reason yeah the reason a low time preference is required for this is because it takes a long time so the reason why it won't work in our society today is because the second some other shiny thing comes along we will cut bait the second it gets too hard all right we will pivot and say you know that's well we will just say it's not important you know what I mean? Like, there's no integrity. <laughs> there's no integrity to it, right? Priorities change every four years, every two years. And, well, maybe a government that has a debt, um, you know, a debt to GDP of over a hundred percent is incapable, right? That time preference is just too high. Is incapable yeah. of really having any goal, any long-term goals. And it could be as simple as that. And it could be why Bitcoin is going to slowly, right? will slowly lower people's time preferences and it will happen locally through like i don't know i view myself as i was talking to my kids about this last night i told my oldest daughter i will um definitely homeschool your seven sons and however you know however many other children you have you know and um i was joking around obviously but like i would i definitely see myself like homeschooling my grandkids and um i'm you know that will be we will be doing some ma- some serious heavy lifting in the you know in the tediousness of math and not just for me like my daughter is even stronger than i am and like she does her homework like and she did her homework in high school screaming like i hate this i hate this i hate this and then then she's just like she's so strong uh you know she's you know just going to study math i mean that's also very unusual for an american born child in today's society yeah i don't i i don't have a, a big interface with college students at this point in my life but yeah i don't know many people that are studying mathematics at this point everybody like so, the kids i know want to be influencers they, they want to be on tiktok yeah it's ridiculous but so i was saying it's the low you know distinguishing something as a issue of time preference not as an issue of intelligence or aptitude i believe is the um you know one of the primary purposes of us talking right and this podcast and people listening it's like you know there are things that bitcoin will fix and those are the things where our time preference as a society is too high to to allow for yeah there's like i'm here to tell people that math is actually easy it really is i mean it's it's just super fucking tedious it sucks (laughs) <laughs> it sucks to slog through it. I mean, it's logic. It's it's just lot. It's basing logical rules on other logical rules. But it, man, yeah. And then you know we get we get fucking chemicals from figuring things out. So then we get really positive messages 
because after we slogged through something for a time where we wouldn't have done it ourselves, but we had some low time preference adults also just telling that we trusted to tell us to keep doing it. Then we let our biology kick in, right? And then the dopamine that comes from really figuring something out makes it so that, the, you know, really just makes it so that we keep doing it and that the, maybe the next thing we do doesn't require so much effort. And by the time we're adults, you know, we've got all that behind us and we can actually, now our, now we have our thinking transformed and we can solve real problems that require that generalization. We have the muscle for it. There's a certain amount of things in the world that I think that, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is going to fix directly. Um, and then there's a whole other list of things that Bitcoiners are going to have to fix. Like Bitcoin is going to fix us so that we can fix these other things. And like Bitcoin can change our time preference and give us each individually the realization that, oh, there, there are things worth putting, investing the time into to understand. Um, but then like those things, like, okay, well, you can change your time preference. We can change, change each of our individual time preferences. We can work on the time preferences of our offspring and, uh, like, plan, plan for the grandkids. That's a badass plan, by the way. I love it. That's a sim- similar idea. Like, my, my daughter, it just turned two, and my, my son's going to be born in, like, any day, two weeks, maybe. I'm going to be gone for a week or two because I'm going to have a newborn. Uh, but, yeah, like, like long term, it's like, okay, well, we as Bitcoiners, we've got to do the work because, like, Bitcoin's not going to build schools or bit um like bitcoiners are going to have to realize oh the current system doesn't work we need to build the, the parallel system like that's what we're doing now like uh, right now i mean we're building the society further downstream bitcoiners are going to be building their manufacturing capabilities it's like all of it i mean yeah as the the flow of economics flows into bitcoin it's like our parallel system is just going to become more and more robust as their system falls apart one hundred, and that's like again what rock paper bitcoin for me like the essay was all about it was like okay we, the physical structures that say are in the education system aren't going to change right we have physical yeah. schools we have physical books we have all that stuff but we're going to place less emphasis on the paper i.e like attendance prestige yes and focus more on this meta thing that you can't see in the physical world but it's very real, like knowledge, learning, and maturity, right? They're very the real. Truth, you faith, know it. Yeah. yeah, you know it when you... And that's what, to me, again, what Rock, Paper, Bitcoin's all about is identifying those things that are super real and figuring out, you know, and then you can see how Bitcoin will help crap, sort of stop, fo- you know, caring or stop um, prioritizing the paper side of things. Right, because the 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 meta the metaphysical things are just as real, are actually more you know, if not more real. And maybe it's like some conversation we had in the past about solving a physical problem confers their reality. You know, is how you confer that reality. Yeah, let me but, let me um, loop that back to the like how we started the conversation. Metaphysicals are even more real. You uh, you talked about your you enjoy experiencing your fish concerts. Um, in a what you call sober over uh, what you call not sober and it's like in my experience with psychedelics specifically like that was the like on psychedelics is the most real of anything i've ever experienced 
It's like, like the feeling of waking up from a dream. Like you wake up in the morning and you slowly you realize, oh, I was dreaming. I was asleep. It's like that's what psychedelics are. Psychedelics mm-hmm. wake you up to reality. And it's like, oh, this is sober. Everything else in my life is not like that's that's a uh, illusion. That's that's like my brain pumping the chemicals into my body that I think of as sober. But like this is sober. So it's like well, yeah. bring that bring re- that back to Bitcoin. It's like people think like the like the figuring out of like economics and mathematics. Like, oh, I've got things figured out. I've been, I'm in the C-suite. I've got all these titles. Enter Bitcoin. It's like all of a sudden like oh, I have nothing. All of this stuff that I th- thought I had figured out is based on this assumption that is wrong. And that, like, the assumption, the fiat assumption, the status assumption is, like, that's just wrong. And it's, I was assuming that I could build my house on this foundation and it would last forever. And it turns out the foundation is made of sand. Yeah, so um, it's totally, yeah, all of my models are broken. I just want to say, like, yeah, I mean, I think the, we'll go back to weed real quick because it's fucking fun. But, like, the idea that it's not real is, is, is absurd, right? It's that, and I, this is related to time preference, and um, you get one timeline, and you get, like, you know, you get to experience it how you choose, right? Um, my personal preference for, like, I, how do I want to remember an experience? I tend to have a better memory of things, and just a my overall value I get just comes from being in this consciousness, and so, every... Sometimes it's nice to change your consciousness, right? But when you, these are all, these are decisions that are made under a time preference, right? That I only get one go at life. And this just goes back to everything. The is, ultimate time preference. Yeah, one every life. Decision, every decision is made at the margin of my next moment, right? Um, when I smoke weed, right? I do actually, I lose that decision. I lose that decision making ability because now I've realized it's kind of like, it's kind of like if I go see a play with my wife, like for like, I realize you're not committed minutes, to this play until the play is over. 10 minutes in, I can no longer choose my life. I have to, <laughs> have to, I have to, I have to, I have to play this out. Right. Uh, I'm stuck here until I'm not right. And so, but, but again, everything is, at, is experienced and this is why you can't model it. This is why it cannot be modeled. Okay. And this is why you cannot mathematically model a system is because everything is happening at everyone's next moment everyone's value decision in your next moment and it's like you know i just almost can't believe people we all think that we can model that i just can't i can't believe i go to work i work with people that truly believe they can model these systems and the the hubris to think that you can control your life like on a on a moment to moment moment basis it's like the the idea of like, well, I, I need to keep all my options open. So if I don't like the thing that I like previous me tied me into this thing, like I took a tab of acid or I went to a play or this thing that I'm now, I'm now committed to this course of action for the next ind- ind- indeterminate amount of time. It's like part of like growing up for me was letting, realizing like, oh, I, I don't actually have as much control over my life as I thought I could. It's like dis- pr- decisions that previous me makes, like, will ultimately and will forever impact present me and future me. And so at some point in the past, past me decided, oh, I'm going all in on Bitcoin. This is the decision. And at this point, like if I decide, if I decided, oh, I want to go back, like I've, I've changed my mind, it, the, the length that I've gone to push my family into Bitcoin, it would be incredibly, incredibly difficult to go back out of Bitcoin because of how far, pre, like 
previous me put present me in this position? And so the question is like, do I, do, do I want to keep all my options open? It's like some options um, I don't necessarily want to keep on the table. Now we burn the ships, dude. We don't want to go back. I mean, I'll speak for myself too, but like, you know, once you realize what's possible in this world, you, that's it. You don't, you, you just start building it. You burn yeah. the ships and you don't want to go back. I mean, I'll say for um, people who aren't all in, the way I would, the language I would say is I still have to keep, um, I still have to keep some fiat because that's what the world accepts in payment. And like, I have expenses like college that you know requires that right so it's not when you know going all in for me is about my time um the time i spend learning you know i've always my entire life i've spent at least you know two to three hours four hours a day learning something right and of various things across my life it's about now it's really a it's about bitcoin that's what i spend my time on even you know and even at the expense of other things, right? Um, that's you Jeff. make sure, you know, and that's, it's like the what Jeff Booth says, the more, you know, the more time you spend in a system, the more you, that, that that's, that's how you create that system is by spending as much time. You want to spend as much time as you can in that system. That's a great observation. The, the, the Bitcoin maximalist is a mental thing. It's like, a, a, you, you could be a Bitcoin maximalist and still hold a fuck ton of fiat, but it's like you are, be, for whatever reason, you need fiat. But the maximum, like, yeah, where you're spending your brain CPU cycles is where, is where your, your allegiance goes. So, yeah, if you're, uh, you can be a Bitcoin maximalist and still have a bunch of fiat, I suppose. But, yeah, you are working towards something in the future. It's personal to you. It's not, you know, I don't really, who cares what other people, you know, it's. Yeah, that's great. That's true. My, it's really, from, so, and for me personally, it's about signal. And maybe this is a religious, this is very religious in a certain sense, whereas I am concerned about my ability to receive the best signal possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that my actions at every moment either, you know, are either enhancing or thwarting that signal from getting to me and or getting in the way of me communicating or enhancing my ability to communicate that signal. It's like, and it's as simple as that. And so, you know, I think it's, I always, it's like, um, you know, did you ever go to Vegas? I've been to Vegas. Right. Um, if you go to Vegas, I think, I don't care how, like what your net worth is at the end of three days, you will have found a way to gamble at your comfort level, be slightly beyond your comfort level and you'll be ready to go. And that's true if you have a net worth of zero or a net, or if you're a billionaire, you will find a way to go to your gulp limits. Um, that's just what you do when you're, you know, it's just what you do. And it's like, I think it's similar, similar with Bitcoin, whereas, you know, it doesn't require, I don't think you have to put your entire net worth into Bitcoin, you know, to get in spread signal but there is an amount i mean you don't need to own any bitcoin to to grok bitcoin i do well it's kind of like well i I disagree with that so i disagree with that and i think so i i was really into poker at a certain point in time and one of the realities you you poker and like risk obviously are like hand in hand and people who are strong in risk that most of them 
Most of them at some point got into poker. You have to play for money to really understand poker. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you can really understand risk or money unless you put your own money at stake at some level. But it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to gamble your kid's college savings away to get that risk. There's a certain amount that whatever it's, it's it, it, there's a certain amount that turns your brain on enough that you worry about it. And you, you know, you learn how it works under that amount. And it's like, you know, I think in Bitcoin, it's similar. There's a there's a certain amount. It's different for everybody. And it's not 100. Maybe for some people, it is 100 percent. For some people, it's, you know, uh, something else. But like, yeah, I, I say that, that you could be a Bitcoin or not on Bitcoin. But yeah, now, now that having what you just said, and like, I'm thinking like, oh, that's probably like Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff thinks that he understands Bitcoin and doesn't own it. Yeah, I mean, look, there are, like, I'm going to say most Bitcoiners are millennials, right? With really young kids, most of them. There's a lot of them, certainly. Would you agree? Like, I'd say the majority in the demographic are, you know, probably under the age of 40. There's no way, honestly, to be able to understand, like, what my personal needs are with an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old. And I don't, you know, and I don't understand what like Lawrence Lepard's needs are with, you know, grown kids. He's older, right? Mm -hmm. That's why he always looks like he smells shit, you know? (laughs) I love his facial expression and, and, you know, the guy's the black pill master and whatever, right? But I don't understand the needs of somebody like that. And most millennials don't understand the needs of somebody like myself. It's, and it doesn't matter, right? My it's your signal is a personal journey, and you know, the the it's a function of how much Bitcoin you hold, plus the time you spend mm. on it, and um, you know, I tend to find that the time you spend on it is a much larger determinant. And I mean, dude, if you don't hold any Bitcoin, are you really going to spend the time trying to grok it? Like, really, right? If it's not like you know, if you're not really base, you know, if it's not really an ally that you're really basing as a uh, leg, a stool on your life, are you really going to spend the time? You're really going to devote your life to something that you don't have any investment in? This is, it's a great point, And that makes me think of like a lot of the FUD articles I read from like the, the New York Post or New York Times. I, anyway, they will have like the authors like as just full disclosure, just I don't actually <laughs> own any Bitcoin because I, I want to be that I want to be clear. It's like, OK, so you don't own Bitcoin and you have all of these opinions about the effects of Bitcoin on the world. It's like a, we yeah. can dismiss Unbiased it. and worthless. Yeah, it's, it's Frankly, a, right. Right. Yeah, no, so I, I, I can't, cl- I guess like I can't close the door like and say that you have to own Bitcoin to get Bitcoin, but you're right. It's it's a function of how much Bitcoin you have and how much time you spent thinking about it. And the, the more Bitcoin you have, obviously, the more time you're going to spend thinking about it. So it's just, it's like changing those various dials. Like it's how quickly. Yeah, but guess what? Do you have oh, that this orange, is good, moment? So I just, uh, this may be a way we cap it, right? I. I might go as far to say as I think if you are, t- if you have, I think there's a right balance and you may, I think drowning your fiat and being somebody who like goes through the world strictly in Bitcoin and no fiat may impact your time preference in a, in a way as well that maybe doesn't, um, maybe that thwarts some of your signal too in a certain way. And maybe it's right for that person 
right? But um, I think that's a... I don't know that you can have like a super low time preference by having your entire net worth in Bitcoin and worried about... When that about emergency comes along and you're forced to liquidate, that's going to hurt. It, yeah. in, t- in, in today's... In today, like in where we are today. So, I, you know what I mean? Like, I think that it's hard if you don't have like a... If you don't have some fiat job in your household bringing income in, you know, just because dollars are still way too overvalued relative to Bitcoin. Yeah, there's a few Bitcoiners doing it, but yeah, it's it's not easy currently. It's funny. Sure. Like, I don't know if you want to get into something that might take like another 10 minutes, we can do it. But like I was, it was a conversation I had at a meetup um, a few weeks ago about how earning Bitcoin like I basically had this premise that every fiat job is gets paid too much, and um, just because the dollar is way too overvalued against Bitcoin. And I was saying that if you, like, who in the world earns like one Bitcoin in a year? A small number, I think. Like the elite, like you, are, you are elite. I mean, you yeah. got to be super elite at adding value to Bitcoiners to earn half a Bitcoin or a Bitcoin, right? Super elite. Um, I mean, or, or parallel to that, I mean, so the ability to earn a full Bitcoin in a year, but also just the ability. So what is the current Bitcoin exchange rate for dollars is about 30 grand a coin. So the yep. ability to save $30,000 in a year is essentially what you're saying. Like that's it's there's no. not a lot of people that can save 30 grand in a year. That's that's not what I'm saying, though. I actually disagree. I think uh, there are plenty. I think in this this age of money printing, there are more people than you realize that are able to put 30 grand away, right? Because it's actually not that hard to get somebody to fork 30 grand over. It's really hard (laughs) to get something. Speaking from the the actuary position. (laughs) I'm just saying, right? It's really hard to get somebody to fork over half a Bitcoin. Right? Sure. Okay. Yeah, right. Out of their stack. For service. If I had both of them, I would hand over the fiat before the Bitcoin for sure. Fuck yeah. And so I, it's like literally, so the point being is that only like the elite of the elite can earn this amount of Bitcoin and this amount of Bitcoin in dollars is below the poverty line. Mm, yeah. So it's very, um, why did I bring this up again? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why I brought this up. Um. Bitcoin is really undervalued relative to dollars. And oh, the reason I brought this up is this is this is why you it's I think it's even it's hard to maintain a low time preference if you don't actually have dollars coming in. You don't have some easy money coming in, unfortunately, because we don't live in a world that's priced in Bitcoin. You are really, I think, a pretty elite Bitcoiner (laughs) if you are 100 percent in bitcoin you're definitely like right you are really foregoing um you're foregoing the ability to um live off the asymmetric dollar value yeah it's really a monk lifestyle yep so it's like i think that's that's a journey that i think you know what i mean like i expect people to be somewhere on that journey with the arrow pointing toward 100 percent, right I believe BlackRock's on that journey, honestly, right? Like, they're going to dribble allocations into people's accounts until they get to 100%. I believe that. And I believe that, you know, you have Bitcoiners that are where they are and live where they have needs that they have in the world. And they're on their way 
to the Bitcoin standard, but I don't think it's ne necessarily necessary to be to have figured out how to get there. I think maybe that takes a long time. Maybe that takes, you know, you got to live through a few cycles and you get to get through, you know, you have to earn maybe enough appreciation or whatever it is for to feel that way. But I don't know. You know, I, I think the time you spend is that's the thing that's more scarce. And um, I think there's a lot of people that can stack a lot of Bitcoin, too, without spending any time and knowing what the fuck they're holding. And so, you know, I think there's a limit and it's individualized and nobody really knows what that number is. Most people feel like it has to be more. <laughs> right. I guess, like, uh, there's a point in the future for each country that, I mean, for, for American Bitcoiners, like, at some point when the Fed's default and the dollar becomes, like, something you paper the wall with, it's like, okay, well, if you have Bitcoin, you you just became a full, of like, 100% Bitcoiner just because the Feds became insolvent. So the question, yeah, how, how far can you get in that direction while you can still fuck around with our Monopoly money? Yeah. But I, so, but there is an amount of Bitcoin. It has to be greater than zero that um, you feel the alchemic power. Oh yeah, right. I mean, I think one sat, man. That's like you you feel it with one sat, and then as you get more than that, it just that feeling I don't know. turns. Most higher. people don't feel it with one sat. Like I get you, like like you know, my daughter has a hundred thousand sats in her ooh a doctor no, but like in her moon wallet from treating me for dinner, and she doesn't feel anything. Right. It's like there's a it, again, it's it's part of I think once you do feel it, your life is over, your life well, as you knew it is over. And now you're going to spend your time <laughs> trying to, um, you know, trying to figure this out. You're going to chase right? that sat stacking dragon and get as many as possible. Yeah, I guess. So holding your own keys until you grok how cool it is to send like send some sats from your phone to your dad's phone with no middlemen in the way like that that's really the moment of like that alchem uh, alchemical moment of like holy shit so yeah if if you don't grok grok what's going on in the background just seeing a little number on your phone's display isn't going to do it and like when it starts costing you like you to huddle big to huddle your stack you have to start letting go of other things that's when you really are yeah. you know and you don't have to be 100% to do you know you don't have to be 100% to be at that point, right? You have many, to just... How many chairs do you really need? Well, yeah. Um, not equating a chair to a Bitcoin or to a sat. But it's it's enough to it's enough to get that energy. And, you know, maybe it is the letting go of other things. It's the letting go of things that where that energy comes from. Back off my feet. 
gotta get sober. I got this heart and living right. And I don't know how it's gonna go, but it ain't gonna happen tonight. So pour 'em down strong till I drown. And if I wake up tomorrow, when that sun comes back around, I'll be wishing I was sober. Well, the liquor and the bowl—they've been saving my soul. From the pain that the world's put on me, and Lord, I know that upstairs there's an old man who cares, and one day he'll set me free. I'll go on a whim, start writing a hymn that sounds so sweet, but the trouble. And the sin of the world that we're in knocked me back off my feet. I gotta get sober. I gotta start living right. And I don't know how it's gonna go, but it ain't gonna happen tonight. So pour 'em down strong till I drown. And if I wake up tomorrow, when that sun comes back around, I'll be wishing I was sober. Well, the life we've been given. And the way we've been living's just a song that we write till we die. 